You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Football Forums podcast, Series 8, Episode 41. Uh, so, two joins this week. How are you doing, John? I am decent. Good weather, good Easter, sunny weather. Yeah. Barbecue was on earlier, a couple of beers, happy days. Yeah, it's been really good. Uh, um, the good weather, hopefully it's not peaked too early. Uh, and this week we do have a special guest. Um, we've got editor of the famous Tatanami magazine, Ian Emerson. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed the sunshine as well today. A bit of sunstroke, I think. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, you've also had your um, interviews with Jim White, so we thought we'd give you an upgrade and come on to a decent show. Um, definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, so the reason that we've... It's actually been good timing the way this has worked out. Um, getting, getting you on because uh, you've just released um, the latest edition of the Tatnam magazine. Just tell us about it. Yeah, that's right, John. It's um, back out, so we've got it out again. There's been a bit of a break, um, but we've got it back out again. And um, you can read it for free. I'll give it a quick plug here. On if you go to tartanarmymagazine.com, um, and the digital versions here for anyone to read for free. Um, so in this edition, um, we've got quite a lot. We've got the, tar- uh, the good work the Tartan Army Children's Charity have done. Um, we've got lots of Tartan Army pictures. We've got a good article by um, the regular column by Richard McBearty from the Hamden Museum. Um, uh, we've got a new a new article uh, called about fa- uh, fans with microphones. So we're going to interview some of the commentators. Um, you know, mentioned Jim White there, but we had Chick Young for the first uh, issue. And that was a good one. Mm-hmm. And as you say, lots, lots more. Yeah, good stuff. It all sounds good. Um, and just for those who don't really know much about the the magazine, just um, you know, how long um. What is the famous Tartan Art magazine and how long has it been running for? Well, it's been out for some time now, John, and um, although we've had a bit of a break, um, it actually came out in 2005, because I have issue one right in front of me now, (laughs) just to remind me. And the whole idea for the magazine was that, um, you know, if a few of us were involved, and it was just the whole idea was to bring out a magazine about the Scotland national football team and also about the supporters, so it's to promote the supporters who we thought we considered to be the best supporters in the world, but also um, to, you know, to cover the national team and to interview the managers and the players, but also uh, we'd interview uh, like Scottish celebrities, but also the fans as well, and what it all mixed together, so the fans were equally as important as the team, um, and that was the whole kind of idea behind the magazine. Fabulous. Um, yes, I mean, I've obviously... I'd read it a few times um, before, and then um, it was I wanted to get writing for it. And I'm pleased to say that I've written um, a few um, articles before, and hopefully you'll let me back in to do it again. Now that I know it's Def- back out, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, we want you to start writing again. So send your things over. And that actually, John, that's a really good bit about it. Um, we've been contacted by you know several people. And this is what we want: it's for fans, by fans, for fans. And we've had a few people contacting us. Um, who have started to write articles, and that's exactly what we want. We want the fans' pictures. We want the fans. If you've got something to write, your opinions, um, 
you know, drop us a line, drop us an email, and we'll try our best to include it because it is is for all of us, by us, for us, the fans, um, back in the national team. And we've got a new bit in it as well. Um, we've got a bit on the Facebook page where we um, ask people's opinions. So for this issue, for example, there's the, we covered the uh, San Marino game where the, the Tartan Army or sections of the Tartan Army were booing the SFA and McLeach. So we want to get people's views on that. And um, so we've included that. So it's like an up-to-date letters page kind of thing, but it's the Facebook comments. Um, so that's quite interesting. SFA get a bit of a slaughtering right enough. Yeah, that's, um, they certainly are. Sweat as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I've just started on... I've just started Twitter last week with the, the magazine, so I'm still getting uh, to grips with that, really. Trying to move with technology. Uh, it's a hard struggle when you get to my age. But, um, yeah, so we're on Twitter now as well, so that's we're going to try and uh, kind of put things on there daily as well. Yeah, and you've also ran some good trips in the past. Uh, you know, the probably the most famous one that you did was uh, was Paris, where you had um, the bus over in Paris, and you had Neve, um, the Miss Scotland at the time, Neve Jennings, in her saltire dress. Just tell us about you know the memories of that and the other trips that, that, that you've had. Yeah, that was superb. Um, yeah, for Paris. So what we did was we hired a train, um, and we took just around about seven hundred people uh, straight to London. Then we then we were on the Eurostar and then over for two nights in Paris. Um, and that was absolutely fantastic. And then, as you say, we had the, the bus with Miss Scotland up the front. And to top it all off, what a fantastic score it was as well, James McFadden. Um, so it was absolutely brilliant. These trips were fantastic. What we used to do is get a wristband for the Tartan Army um, and we'd put the departure time um, for coming home. We'd always put the day and the departure time and the train station, so people knew where to go when they wake up in a drunken haze that it's time to come back home again. Um, so we did that one to Paris, that was a cracking one. Then we also did the other one uh, with the boat over to Amsterdam, and again, that was 700 people. Uh, basically took over the whole of DFDS from Newcastle over to Amsterdam. And we had a private train, first of all, down from Edinburgh down into Newcastle. Booked a few pubs before getting on the boat, and uh, that was one big, big party over to Amsterdam. We took over. We had the Tartan Specials were playing live on the boat. Um, Tam Coyle was spinning his DJ records, and we had Ted Christopher playing as well, and it was just one big knees up. Um, and then we had a fan zone event over there as well, so people could watch the game. We had some live music over there, and then we had um, the big screens for people who never had tickets. Um, so that was a good trip as well, and we've had a couple of trains going down to Wembley as well. Yeah, so they've been good. Yeah, you've been on them. I was on. I was. I was on the 2013 one. Uh, that was the first time we'd played them since '99. Uh, that was a. That was a great trip. Um, you know, obviously that was. I think if I remember, like we left um, at like midnight Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday morning, down for the game, then straight back out. Um, that was it. Was really good. It was exhausting. No, I'm glad I took the next day off work. Let's put it that way. I just went back and slept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, some people think if you're travelling by night, it might be a nice sleeper train you've got. But, um, no, what we do is we tend to have a big party before we leave. So if we leave from Glasgow or Edinburgh, wherever we've done the trips from, um, we have a big party basically, and hoping that people once they've had a few drinks will get on the train and just sleep. But it doesn't really work that way always, and I don't think people get much sleep. Um, that's it. And then it's quite it's quite interesting as well because we take the train into the middle of London. I, I might sorry to interrupt, but I might one time going. To, I was going to Kiev uh, for the Ukraine game, and the oh, intention yeah. was we we're going to be at Amsterdam. So like, I will get to Amsterdam, and we'll we'll get a hotel or a hostel, 
um, before we fly out early morning. The flight was something like five in the morning. What happened? Oh, never I've never seen thing. a plane. I'm surprised actually they, they let the, the plane leave because <laughs> I thought we're an, an awful Nick. I um, might have been on that plane actually because we went that way as well to Kiev. And nice. uh, honestly, it was like there was just basically a lot of in the airport because everyone, it was folk sleeping, folk just didn't look at all good. Um, yeah. Probably including myself. I think it's probably the, 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 the most horrible flight I've I've been on because you do that way you kind of feel rough and you're just thinking oh my god just get me anywhere out of here this plane I don't want to go on this plane especially yeah it's a fair distance as well isn't it aye it was good trip mind you once I got there once I kind of yeah I got to you kind of aye but yeah it's part of the line of duty yeah exactly just what you've got to do but uh you know, I mentioned that about the Wembley, the, um, the Wembley trip. You know, um, it's, it wasn't ideal being overnight, but it was better than my trip to Amsterdam because um, we, with the Cumberland Tartan Army, um, took the bus. But instead of it going at Newcastle or, or Horwich, I went all the way down to Dover, across the Calais, and up through twenty hours there, twenty hours back, <laughs> and seeing the way back. So when we get beat three 0 um, it was a long, long trip, and that's something I'll never ever do again. Um, yeah. I'll just need. To, keep more eye and cheap flights or if you ever do these sorts of trips again in um you know well we'll try and upgrade we'll try and get better uh, we'll try and get sleepers or something like that because it's yeah. uh yeah it's pretty hard going these trips yeah exactly and it, do, it does cost a lot of money to be fair to run it so um you know so you've done well doing doing those trips um, yeah and, uh, what, what i've always tried to do because the numbers are so high i've always tried to keep the price really low so Mm-hmm. It is a really cheap way of travelling. And then, for example, we went to Wembley. Um, we moved we moved the train during the game, into the middle of London, and then we moved it to Wembley Station so it was easy mm-hmm. for the fans coming back out just to nip on the train and get back up the road. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a cheap way of travel. It is, it's a good laugh, but it's also pretty, t- <laughs> pretty tiring. So um, if you only took one day off, John, or one day mm-hmm. off work when you came back, that's not, not too bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was it was certainly worth it. Um, so now that you're um, back up and running, um, you know how regular do you think you'll be having a magazine out? It really just depends on the games. Uh, sorry, John. Uh, it just depends on the games, really. Uh, so they've had one out and they brought it out just after the San Marino game there, and the next one we plan to bring out just after the Belgium game in June. Um, and then after that, we'll look towards September, October, uh, when the other games are on, and then probably one at the end of the year. Um, so it's a digital copy, so it's a lot easier to kind of bring it out timescale-wise, but we are also doing a printed version as well. Um, so in the process of getting some printed up, just so, because, you know, people like a magazine to, to browse through as well. Yeah, precisely. No, it's good, and um, I noticed that you had the interview with Shelley Kerr as well. Um, the women certainly are doing pretty well, and they're having a good build-up to this World Cup. They've got that game against Jamaica coming up, um, which I see is only a five for adults and two pound for concessions at Hamden to give them the big send-off um, against Jamaica at the end of May. So, um, yeah, how is how is I she? That... <laughs> yeah, well, she's doing brilliant, as you know. I mean, she's transformed that Scotland team. We've covered the women's team for some time. Um, I had a special women's edition out uh, on one occasion as well but to see us actually qualifying now is absolutely brilliant um, 
and obviously that uh, beating Brazil as well is fantastic. So I think it's great if we. I mean, I'm all for going to this game and trying to get behind and hopefully there'll be quite a bit of tapping army over there in France at the World Cup uh, supporting them. But they've done great. I mean, I would be surprised if they could. You know, I'd be interested to see if they played the men's team who'd win. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a. Um... An odds on women's victory at the moment. Um, and, as yeah, we, and as we'd mentioned about your timing, about coming on, um, obviously, um, ahead of Easter weekend, um, we had e- Easter exit. Um, as Al McLeish unsurprisingly oh. lost his job. Yeah, there's oh, a podcast yeah. title, John. John. <laughs> What's that? What'd you say, John? I thought you'd be waiting for that one to get that in. <laughs> Just timed it nicely. Um, it's been written and pre planned. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, no. I mean, um, I don't think it was a surprise to anyone when he when he lost his job. Really, I mean, I don't know your thoughts on that. John, you want to go first? <laughs> I think, like most people, could have never thought he should have been employed in the first place. Um, yeah, it just didn't work out. I know he was kind of clinging on when he kind of was talking about the fact he'd left that. The, the Nations League thing, but even then we were lucky. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh, I like him as same token, he wasn't moving the, the national team forward, so ideally we take our time, get someone in, the right person. I did notice Malky Mackay was at the Hibs and Celtic game on Saturday, so whether maybe there's a chance he's going to be into them again for the June games, I don't know. Um, but I had a kind of sneaky feeling that might be happening. Yeah. Or he could have just been there watching his old team Celtic. Yeah, I think that's um, where a lot of the money's pointing to is that um, him and Scott Gamble um, will be in for the two games in the summer um, to buy them that little bit of time. Um, I mean, there's obviously a bit of a risk with that because you know these games in the summer are you know massive. Well, not so much the Belgian game because anything there um, is a is a bonus, but the Cyprus game is massive and. No, sales for that game are already going to be quite low, you know. Um, yeah. I think right now they're heading. They're, if McLeish was still in charge, I think it would be under twenty five thousand. And for a Saturday night game, that would have been pretty poor. Um, when you consider that, you no, know, we were selling it for even games against uh, George George in the Sa- in San Marino in the, the Euro uh, two thousand eight campaign. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I've said before, you know, I feel for Al- I feel for Al- McLeish the fact that you know he's a. He's a hero of mine for being an Aberdeen player and he did well first time. But he was in a hiding to nothing as soon as he um, decided to come back because of the way he'd left the first time um, and things like that. And he had been out the game for two and a half years. He was a bit outdated. What I did like about what he tried to do was bring some younger ones. You know, you saw the likes of McKenna um, come in. Uh, John McGinn's got more game time. Uh, Cal McGregor's got more game time. But at the end of the day, he messed up with a lot of tactics. Um there's been apathy with some of the players. There's also big apathy with the fans. Um, and there's obviously a lot of rumours going about, but he certainly didn't look well. And I think it was, uh, you know, the SFA did the right thing. Um, but I just hope that, you you hope that the guys that employed them, um, namely Rod Petrie and Al McRae, lose their jobs as well. But we know that will not happen. Rod Petrie is the next uh, president un- unchallenged. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's what everybody is. We did a poll uh, that we included in the magazine, so it was 86% wanted Alex McLeish to go after the San Marino game. And we held the poll because, you know, the fans were booing him and the team and the SFA. And it's 
quite apparent, I think, that the mess they made before they got Alex McLeish and even getting him was an absolute disgrace. I mean, they sacked, as far as I'm concerned, Gordon Strachan, I know he made his mistakes and he didn't. we didn't qualify for two campaigns, but he was on, he had that team playing really good, we're unbeaten in six games. In 2017, he, you know, we, we, we did really well to come back and narrowly lost out. And then they really sacked him, Stuart Regan, uh, and then everyone thought we had Michael O'Neill, and then when that didn't happen, it seemed to be like a panic move to get um, Alex McLeish, who I don't think most people wanted at that time. Um, for the reasons you just stated, I mean, he left before Andy been out of the game. Um, and even him continuing after the play, uh, you know, the playoff section where we talked with, you know, we talked to group, I thought that'd be a natural time for him to to move over and to get a new manager in. So it's kind of. Mm-hmm. Surprise him, I've got nobody yet again. Yeah, it's it's just classic SFA, you know. Um, the way they, I mean, I felt as though with, with Strachan, I mean, I totally get that um, he was building a wee bit of momentum, but when it came to crunching that game against Slovenia, um, when we had Brown yeah. and Armstrong suspended, he reverted to type and you know, brought in Barry yeah, Bannon for that, that game, and that's uh, two failed campaigns at the end of the day. Um, yeah, but um. You know, we put all the eggs under... I mean, they, they took too long in approaching Michael O'Neill, and when they did, it was a half-arsed effort, and then it left us in a bit of a pickle. And then you had the rumours of Walter Smith being next before um, he yeah. he distanced himself. It was just um, typical SFA, and um, it's just it's just worrying. You mentioned you did a poll after the San Marino game. Well, we've done two polls in the um, Scottish Football Forums podcast, uh, Facebook and Twitter. They asked the same question. Um, because Slavin Bilic has thrown his name in the in the ring, um, in the hat, yeah. sorry. Would you welcome the appointment of a non-Scot as the next manager of the national team? On Twitter, 32 people said yes, 5 said no. And out of 112 votes on the Twitter page, 94% say yes and 6% say no, it must be a Scot. So what's um, both your fo- vo- um, thoughts on that? You know, does it matter about nationality if, um, as long as it's the right one? Or is it a case of... Um, no, it's got to be a good old Scottish manager. Want me to go first? Um, I think, well, national football's kind of changed now anyway. That it used to be that you had to be born in the country to play for the team. Then it was your, uh, if your parents are Scottish, and then I know the Irish for some time were doing your grandparents. So it's all kind of changed now anyway. Uh, so I would welcome, um, you know, if we had a quality manager as long as he was taking Scotland forward and we'll actually start to manage to qualify again, I definitely don't see a problem with that at all. I think it would be all right if you get someone in the right calibre, it's not just getting someone in for the sake of it, and then maybe having a an up-and-coming Scottish manager lined up with a view to getting the job once the international manager kind of leaves. Yeah, yeah that's quite a good way of doing it. Yeah, because I, I like I like Scott Gemmell, what he's been doing with the the younger teams. Like, you know, he did well with the under seventeens and under nineteens, and you know he's done well with the the Toulon team at under twenty level. Um, under twenty one, uh-huh. finding it a bit hard, but then um, we've not qualified for anything at under twenty one level since nineteen ninety six. You know, that's going back two years further God. than the the main team. So, um, but you know, I'm not adverse to him being involved in the coaching setup and then being elevated into number one position. I don't think he's ready yet. You've got to remember the last two Scottish um the last two successful Scotland managers didn't come with um 
a lot of club experience. They came from within the coaching network, the SFA, and Andy Roxburgh and Craig Brown. So yeah. it's not the worst idea. Um, in terms of Scottish candidates, for me, there's only one I would consider, and that's Steve Clark. Um, I don't yeah. think, you know, David Moyes is out of touch, and he's, um, you know, declined. Obviously, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want Strachan back, um, you know, for the reasons I've just said. I don't think we should reward him with a second crack at it, uh, or third crack, technically. But, um, and then after that, there's no one else that really stands out for me. Yeah. See, I one thing I would say, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you're a good club manager, you'll be a good international manager. Yeah, I agree. You look at Wales and the success they had under Colwyn. Colwyn obviously got a club job, pretty terrible. Uh, Michael O'Neill, probably before he had the Northern Ireland job, had he done much in club football? Yeah. Not, yeah. not a massive amount, but yeah, he's been really successful. Yeah. I think it takes a different type of skill set to be an international manager. Yeah. You're obviously not seeing the players as much. So you need to make sure that the time you're spending is quality and also as well probably... You're spending a lot of time in between game time, catching up with the players, making sure they're good, because effectively you're having to look after them all the time, even though you're only maybe seeing them five or six times a year. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, look at Jochen Love, and no, I'm not um, saying that Scotland will be as good as Germany for one, you know, for one minute, but you know, he's not one that um, had a coaching. Um, Records at club level, he was in integrated with the German national team when they did their all um, their revolution back in the early two thousands, and he's produced a, a stunning team. Although they weren't great in the last World Cup, um, so it just shows that you know it's about getting the right one. Some people, as you say, are better suited to like Michael O'Neill, for example, are better suited to international management, and that's why Scotland approached him in the first place, albeit um, too late. Yeah, and I suppose the problem now because there is. As, you know, the debate is, you know, what man, who would be a good Scotland manager? You know, Steve Clark has been my number one choice for some time now. Um, the, but there is a doubt he hasn't, you know, he hasn't done international management. But the problem lies in that the SFA took on McLeish and we're now through a campaign where we've played two of the easiest teams. Um, you know, we're not in a good position. And now we're also got two games coming up. As you say, the Cyprus game, really important one. Then we've got Belgium away which is actually quite a frightening thought. And we don't have a manager in place. And that just seems absolutely crazy. And you've got to blame the people who yep. you know, are at the top of the tree. You've got to you've got to blame them for this mess we're in. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people that have um you know, that are more and more people are turning their backs to the national team, I think. There was only nine thousand uh, you know, season tickets sold for um the six game package, um, which is the lowest I can certainly remember. I don't think there was many that signed up for the Scotland Supporters Club's renewals. And, uh, no, John and the other um, regular hosts, uh, Chris, have both openly said in here they find it difficult even getting to watch Scotland games, let alone getting uh-huh. along to them. And there's a lot of work that's needed done to win, like say, John and Chris, for example, back to, to Hamden again. Exactly. I think that... I mean, and I used to go fight a couple of away games as well. So when someone like that is kind of not going and there's no in the, there's no as if I'm the minority here there's quite a few I think like that as well that used to go regularly and just have grown out of it and it's very easy to grow out of going to games especially it doesn't help as well the, the stupid times and days Saturday 3 o'clock was always the best but it's not going to change um, so aye something needs yeah. to be done 
Yeah, I know, and it's not appealing. So the national game is struggling, and it is. It's for everybody. Everybody's finding it difficult to support the national team. Um, and as you see, a lot of people aren't coming. And if you think about the Cyprus game, it's on a Saturday. It's the first Saturday game, I think, been for a while at home, and it's at quarter to seven at night. You'd think that, you know, everybody would be right up for that. And this is, I don't know many people with the appetite at the moment looking forward to any of these games. Everyone's just absolutely scunnered with the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd got to the stage I was just going because I had tickets. I'd have had a season ticket, I'd have been no uh, wanting to go, but you couldn't even get rid of your ticket. <laughs> yeah, the last yeah. time I had a season ticket. Yeah, I and mean, we don't want to go back if to it. Was that way you'd have a spare? I remember some one time I think Chris. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I, mean, don't, don't I don't went a couple of times because I had like, a spare ticket and he was like, you know, I want to go and couldn't get rid of it. No one was up for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember there was a while back when they used to give like tickets away to all the school and you kids. Games. Yeah. It does help as well the evening kickoffs and then transport. If you're, even if you're just a wee bit outside of Glasgow, you're or you're even further away from Glasgow, trying to get back into back into Glasgow to then get your correct in a train or bus to get home is a nightmare. Yeah. I know, and it's a huge commitment the fans make. They travel from all over. And it's just they need the performances on the pitch to inspire it. It's a bit gloomy. Com- it's a bit gloomy uh, this conversation, isn't it? I'm getting depressed thinking about Scotland now. I know. See, that's that's why we try to avoid Scotland. Yeah, it's it's been difficult for a while talking about Scotland without being. Um, I'll be about to mean like, when we were previewing the England game, um, for example. You know, there was a big fear going at the game that we're going to get um, the floor rights with us, and then. You're talking at the end of the game that about being disappointed at not winning, having got ourselves into that position. It's amazing oh, the yeah, emotions they put us through. Um, it's yeah. like Scotland always find a way, um, find a new way of building up your hopes and then knocking you down. Yeah, but, uh, I know. but this way with the, um, it's just, but you know, there shouldn't be this apathy because um, I think there's the potential of a good a good side. That's Definitely. capable of qualifying. You know, we're not talking about getting into the Euros and you know going through in uh, the latter stages or anything. Just getting there would be a good start. And I think there's definitely a group of players that are capable. You've got guys in there who are playing. Scott McTominay, for example, um, been playing well in the Champions League for Man United. Uh, you've got you know the Celtic contingent have been used to winning trophies uh, left, right, and centre. Though we'll just skip over that. Um, You've got some guys in there who are playing Premier League football. You've got young guys who are, like McKenna, for example, who are getting regular game time and looking like they're going to get big money moves. Like John McGinn got a big move, um, obviously, Aston Villa. He's playing well at the top end of the championship. Um, you know, So we've got away from... That's one thing that struck him as bad. It was He was picking too many players who, just for the sake of it, like Ketch Anya kept making squads even though he was, he's not been near the Derby squad for about three years. Uh, same with Chris Martin, same way, um, you know, Matt Ritchie um, wasn't playing well and he would always persist with him. Um, but one thing that does need to change, speaking of Matt Ritchie and a few others, um, these players who have made themselves unavailable selection, are they going to all of a sudden want to come back? Um, I don't like this player's choosing picking and choosing when to uh, go in the Scotland squads. You know, it was the same way, you know, Chris Boyd, Lee McCulloch, etc. for um, under George Burley um, and then coming back for Levine. I don't like that attitude, to be perfectly honest. Um, and Stephen Fletcher can be added to that mix as well, although I think the majority of that um, was blamed on Levine. Yeah, they seem to have the fallout, didn't they? Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's actually soul destroying when some of the players pull out and they play for the club the following week. Um, and it's kind of that was kind of sending out a message, which I think we all knew that the players weren't really happy with the whole setup, the, the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so just got fingers crossed that whoever comes in can galvanise the players. As you say, I think we've got some brilliant players and some young players. Um, you know, so it is looking, it is hopeful. It really is. That's what. Been doing this magazine long enough to keep on thinking it's hopeful. It's hopeful. We've got a good article in the current issue um, by Wolf Parkinson. He wrote one about. He's going to mention a few names and all that. Um, so I mean, we have got people to take us forward. So let's just hope we get the right man in place to, to kind of lead us. Yeah, and let's hope that um, in your next uh, episode, your next uh, edition, that we'll be writing about um, at least a home victory for Scotland. Um, well, it's got to be a home victory. It's got an, to, be, an, got an, to be Cyprus. An unlikely victory in, um, in Belgium. <laughs> that would that be, be amazing. Um, you never know, I think, but I doubt anything will happen in Belgium. But the Cyprus game's the key, the key one. And then uh, we'll just need to see what happens in Brussels. Um, yeah. So, um, just a reminder for everyone, Ian, um, the magazine's available online at the Tatanami um, website. Yeah, Um and always looking for contributions, any photos, anyone wants to write an article, it's your magazine. Um, there's one thing I was going to say as well, have you had anything to do or had the Scottish Football Supporters Association on? Because we've just done an article on them, and they seem to be quite a good independent fans organisation that seem to be building a bit of momentum up, trying to get change in the Scot- Scottish game. Are you aware of them at all? I've heard about them, but I've not had any interaction. John, what about yourself? No, I've not at uh, all. Yes, Paul Goodwin and Simon Barrow. Simon wrote an article in this issue of the magazine, and it was just—it was quite interesting to hear their thoughts on how to try and change and get fan involvement into. They're trying to build up momentum. Um, so their website, ScottishFSA.org. And, yeah, I found it quite interesting. They're trying to build momentum to get change in the national game and, you know, get fans included as much as possible to implement change. Because you know how we all feel frustrated that what's happening at, you know, mm-hmm. at the SFA, it's a, you know, they're trying to implement change and they're totally independent. So um, maybe we'll find out a bit more about them. I've joined up to the website just to see how, how they got on. Because um, that is a frustrating bit, is how to change. I'm always happy to get the guests on, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll give them a shout, you know, I'll give them a shout, and um, maybe worth giving them, you know, having a wee chat with them about how they how they see that fan power can actually influence it. I mean, that is a hard bit to try and get, you know, influence change. Well, that's certainly worth a tip off. Thanks very much. Um, and if the anyone wants to get in touch with uh, yourself about the magazine, is it just through Facebook, Twitter, and um, the website itself? Yeah, yeah, all under um, the website's tartanarmymagazine.com and everything else is famous Tartanarmy magazine on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and we'll just keep on going. And uh, almost looking for interviews and good stories and funny stories about the Tartanarmy. There's quite a few of them about, so <laughs> anything at all, people keep in touch and uh, we'll just keep the magazine going. But it's yeah. doing well, we're enjoying doing it again, so let's just hope the team can. I would imagine some of the match. stories you couldn't put in the magazine. Ah uh, yeah, a lot of it. Well, we, we do that. Uh, what goes on tour still stays in tour, but we print the the not the X-rated ones. So, yeah. 
We never print people's names. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was was it? Ian Black that wrote the couple of books, the Tales of the Tartan Army. Um, they yeah, were good books. As well. Yeah, they were yeah, really yeah. good books. Yeah, enjoyed them. Yeah, and there was the stories about the Wailing Wall in Israel and back in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, and he did the Tartan Army songbook as well. Um, all the songs the Tartan Army sung over the over the years and all that. Yeah, so Ian Black's involved in the magazine as well. Um, so it's good, but it's open to all. Everyone can contribute and give us their stories. That'll be a good laugh. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thanks very much for um, coming on and giving your plug about the book. Uh, your magazine, sorry, not the book. That could be next. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming on and um, we'll happily give your book, uh, magazine a promotion. Yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, we'll do a wee write-up on your podcast and um, really enjoy it. So well done. Keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks very much, Ian. Don't say anything nasty about us. <laughs> no, no, I'll be good. All good, good, good. Okay, guys. Cheers. Bye. Okay, then. Bye now. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Right, so now that's the international stuff out of the way, let's um, go on with the weekend action. So, since we've talked about Steve Clark, we might as well start there. Um, he's probably not, if he was um, interested in being Scott manager, has he done his chances any favours by having a go at the the referees in SFA over the weekend. I think, to be honest, even before it, he's had a few run-ins with the SFA, so yeah. I, I can't see it. I know he said that he would, he would like to do it at some point, but at this moment in time, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. It, it'll all depend on what, what's happening with Fulham, because that, that's the strong rumour, is that he's going to go to yeah. Fulham. Um, though I've heard that Scott Parker, supposedly the talk is that He's almost certain to get that job, so I don't know. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Because um, one thing I've said before, and I've said many a time, the SFA wants someone that's a yes man, that's not going to argue with them. Yeah. Steve Clark certainly isn't that man, so that's why it would be good. Because Steve Clark's not going to take any BS. Mm-hmm. Um, Although the only, uh, what I will maybe. say is that what, they... what I would say is if people are expecting... What's that? I was just going to say, um, you know, we're saying this about Clark that these things that he's been saying might ha- hinder his chances, but Craig Levine wasn't exactly quiet about the SFA before he got the job in 2009. That's obviously the example of we should have went for a foreign manager, Lars Lagerback, who was desperate to take the job at that point, but we said, no, we need a Scott, and Craig Le- Levine's cheap and available, um, so we got him instead. But that just shows that it's depending on what Ian... Because let's be honest, Ian Maxwell's going to be one that's heading up this... Uh, this recruitment, and he might well say, well, Steve Clark may well be outspoken, but he's the best candidate we've got. Although I agree with you, I think Fulham's a more likely shout. Yeah. Because he's still um, based in London, he's still got a home in London, which is not far from Fulham, so um, I think if they want him, that's the job he'll get. But, as I say, he's the only Scottish candidate um, I would take, but yeah, we might as well go into the game. Uh, obviously, from our perspective, a, a pleasing result. It was a key game between the two sides vying for um, the only other guaranteed automatic, uh, automatic European spot um, of third place and a uh, crucial victory for us, but it was certainly surrounded by a bit of controversy. Um, we'll take the instance in isolation. Sam Cosgrove, lucky to escape um, a second booking. I don't think he's been booked in the first place, probably. I thought it was pretty soft. Yeah. He's just jumped. Um, yeah, 
if he's on the probably by the other one is off it, yeah, I don't think the first one should have been, should have been given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you could argue that certainly the second Charles made should have um, been a booking, but, and then he's involved in that incident with Finlay, uh, but Finlay gets booked, but Cosgrove doesn't, so you can understand the Kilmarnock's uh, frustrations with that, but the Kit Broadfoot challenge, do you think that was a straight red card defence? I'd seen comments saying that suppose we were lucky to have other players still in the park, but I've only seen the highlights, so yeah. I can't comment, comment too much. In terms of their kind of cards, I could probably see why they're a bit aggrieved. Yeah. It's probably a yellow. The McKenzie one, I'm not quite sure at the end. I don't know whether there is a week. You can always see these kind of things as if you kick out with someone. By the letter of the law, it is a red card, but I can understand maybe why they're appealing it. And then the Finlay one, yeah, I can understand the Finlay one for over. I think that's fair enough. Um, yeah. The game itself, it's never going to be pretty between Kilmarnock and Aberdeen. But Aberdeen get a job done at Rugby Park again for what, 10th in a row? Yeah. 10 victories in a row, it's a tremendous record um, when you consider how much Kilmarnock have actually improved their home record under Clark in the last 18 months um, they still you know, can't find a way uh, beating us I mean, you can argue that we had a bit of luck in the game but then when you look at the game put all early in the season and Aldo was obviously honest enough to admit that um, Aberdeen get Mikey Devlin sent off after 4 minutes when he should never have been sent off um, so you know, you could say that no, they evened themselves out a little bit, but no, we got, we found the way we had to. It was, as you say, it was never going to be a pretty game, um, especially at this stage of the season. It's two sides with a lot of respect for each other, and uh, you know, the the first aim was to to make sure that the the opposition were stopped. It was never going to be free flowing. It was never going to be um, a lot of passing football from either side. It was just about getting the job done, and uh, you know, we managed to do it. It's a terrific I, from McKenna. I, I terrific. So, John, you go? Yeah, you, you play Kilmarnock, you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get with Kilmarnock. They're going to be compact. Uh, you need to be up for a physical battle. You're probably not going to get that many chances against them. Uh, as you say, I am a kind of goal. Good, strong header. Kind of takes it well. These aspects as well. We win, obviously. Clean sheet. Uh, Devlin's back and playing at centre-back, as opposed to you know, when they had to fill in at right-back last week. Uh, Gleeson came in, by all accounts, very tight. Day, um, kept then taking over. He shit on. He then gets an injury. Um, so where are we? Clean shot. Uh, John Ross comes on as well. Half an hour to go and play all the play as well. So a lot of pleasing. Still in the hunt for third place, obviously, which is the minimum expectation now. I would say. Um, and then it's against your your closest rival for third as well. So. Yeah. Even better as out. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, but the other the two Edinburgh sides dropping points over the weekend, although Hibs was also a better result. Um it was pleasing from that point of view to extend the gap over them. Um I think there's no question we'll finish above Hearts now. Um eleven points before to play the way Hearts have been playing. I'll be surprised if they catch us at this stage with the fixtures that everyone's got to play. Um I think we'll just do enough to be above Hibs but Commander's obviously still the, Still in there, um, but it was interesting that Greg Stewart didn't even make the squad. But 
he was a no mess. It's just amazing. Um, I was actually speaking to Aldo, um, you know, off air, um, and we were just talking about how one transfer has had such a bad impact on all three parties because Stuart's form um, since he came to us has been terrible. Mm. Aberdeen's results have regressed since he's come here, and Kilmarnock's results have um, regressed since uh, you know since they lost him. And you think that the two of us, um, the two of us were on a par with Rangers at that point in the league and not far behind behind Celtic and now Rangers have almost got um second pretty much nailed on eight points clear after um another good result for them they've picked up since the firm game three in the spin scored three goals in every game what was that? <laughs> I was just saying that uh, yeah I was just saying that Rangers have uh, picked up um, the the last three games, winning all three, uh, scoring three in each game, and uh, yeah, I mean it's not really much Morelos. Yeah, yeah, Defoe certainly stepped up, but they were given a bit of help by Hearts losing possession midfield twice. But Rangers, to be fair, broke very quickly um, from that and were ruthless in their finishing. Um, so yeah, it created them. And the third goal is Hearts are sleeping at um, at the back post, and Katic gets in with a an easy finish. But it's a so they've done um, the clean sweep on Hearts for the season. They're eight points clear of Aberdeen, um, but even if Aberdeen beat them on on Sunday, it's still going to be unlikely. We're going to overturn eight points with four games to play in the race for second. It's unfortunately I that one. As you say, Rangers, good pressure from them. Um, forcing hearts into mistakes. Kamara's threw ball for the first goal. Kind of really good. Um, started off by a kind of tackle by Flanagan. Defoe kind of does what Defoe does best. And then the second goal by Ryan Jack breaks across the ball to Kamara. Andy Ask gets a ball in the turn and, and kind of a nice finish. So, yeah, because I kind of took it over nicely um, towards the end of the season. And yeah, they'll finish second, but that was probably that was probably their minimum expectation was to finish second. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think the budget is to make sure they finished at least a good second this season and try and put a bit more pressure on Celtic. And um, but Celtic were hoping to also make sure the tape was clinched next weekend on their own turf against Kilmarnock, but that can't happen now because Celtic slipped up um, against Hibs. Uh, well, no, no, not the first time that they've had troubles at Easter Road. Uh, but Paul Hickingbottom still unbeaten in the league. What's that? Nine games, one six drawn three, and two of those draws were against the uh, Rangers and Celtic. So, yeah, very good records, and they'll be kicking themselves for the mid-season slump they had under Lennon from between November, uh, so mid-October to uh, the end of January. If they hadn't had that slump, you could argue that they could have been nailed on for third place at least, and certainly put on a bit more pressure at the top two. Potentially, but then Heckenbottom wouldn't be there. True. Heckenbottom wouldn't be there if they hadn't had a, a slump. So then things could be different. They could have a slump at a different time. Uh, he's do, I think he's doing a really terrific job. The one thing about him that we've always kind of said for a few seasons under Lennon was great going forward, but suspect at the back. He's and it's the same group of players um, that were there before. He's tightened things up at the back. He's got them back playing kind of a positive football. Obviously, we've mentioned before, Horton being a big influence. Barry kind of looks kind of be able to play again back to normal. Maybe not scoring the goals that he was before. Yeah, they just look like a, a better rounded team. 
um, the big thing will be in the suburb what kind of recruitment he does whether he looks at players down south which I would think he probably will because obviously that's where he's managed all his career so hmm. I put perhaps um, and they'll be pleased as well and the way things were going at the start of the season and Hearts been off to a flyer look like Hearts were going to finish above Tibbs I think Tibbs will finish above Hearts now yeah I agree Three points between, but I think Hibs are a far better team just now. Yeah, you've got the Edinburgh Derby at Easter this week, and Hibs are looking in good form. Um, you would certainly fancy Hibs is going into that one. Hearts, I think their minds will just be in the, the cup final now. Um, but, you know, Ollie Shaw could have even won that game. Hibs had their chances in this game, I think. Looking at the highlights, um, it looks as though a draw was certainly a fair result. Um, but Marcia, I know. That was another big call that was made, um, bringing him back into the starting lineup, and it was the right decision because uh, he's been excellent since he's come back in the team, and uh, he made a few terrific saves in the game. Uh, but Celtic will also be disappointed that they haven't got the victory. It would have meant that they uh, just needed to. Can someone on Saturday? Would you say sorry? They're the two best keepers in the league. Who? Marciano and... Yeah, I can't remember who it was. Marciano and Bayman, the two best keepers in the league. Well, I would disagree, because I think Joe Lewis is one of the best keepers in the league as well. But certainly since the start of the year, um, you could argue that the two of them have been the best um, you know, keepers in the league. They've certainly been excellent um, this, this half of the season, without doubt. And Ben made a terrific save at the weekend to make sure Celtic got, um, didn't l- lose again. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the lower half, St Mirren can continue to look like they might even avoid the playoff spot. Yeah, that was a big one. I mean, I actually fancy them to win the game because Livingston are in that position they don't have a lot to play for. Um, they were helped by the fact they were up against 10 men the fact that Gary Halkett was the one that was sent off, but there was no complaints. Halkett knew himself it was a professional foul had to go. But they still went behind and they still had to... The good thing was they got back level quickly and, you know, they had to break down a stuffy Livingston defence and Liam Kelly was playing well up to a point. And then they got that moment where uh, Mullen puts a terrific effort into the bottom corner then Simon Jackson seals it low on a terrific three points, um, which lifts them six clear of the bottom and moves them to win two points at Hamilton. So, yeah, they've certainly got a little bit of momentum behind them um, for the last couple of results. And Yeah, it looks as though your prediction of certainly avoiding the main relegation spots coming um, to fruition, um, and they might well go and complete an even greater escape by overhauling Hamilton, which won't be easy. Yeah, I mean, they've got a big game as well against against St John's. Two and our team, we've got very little to play. But I'd fancy St Mirren in that one as well. Yeah, I mean, St John's is a funny one because um, they've picked up a little bit. I mean, they obviously they comfortably beat Dundee at the weekend. Um, it just depends what mid they're in. Uh, sometimes when you're playing these teams with nothing to play for, it can go one or two ways. There. They're that relaxed and don't have any pressure on them that they actually play better, or they go to the other extreme of being too relaxed and they don't 
they don't have that incentive and don't fight as much, and that's when they can get undone. Um, so you just yeah, yeah we'll see. What, see, since they played Livingston at the the mark. Since they played Livingston, when sorry? They've lost, lost one, so what's that? So the, it's. Apologies to everyone that's listened to the um, podcast, but there has been some technical issues and we don't know which end it is, so our apologies. Um, what were you saying, John? They have lost, and then they've lost, then they've won, then they've lost, then they've won. So it's a banker. Get your money into it the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're fine. So Hamilton did well uh, in the. Lanarkshire Derby, they went behind and then they took advantage of a horrendous back pass um, to give themselves a share of the spoils and it could well be a, a crucial point because um, it, it still keeps them that, that small gap ahead of St Martin, it's two points rather than one um, and that could end up being the difference if the two sides um, pick up the same number of points in the end of the season um, but Hamilton are the sort of team that they're horrendous one week and then pick out a result from nowhere and they'll fancy their chances at home to Livingston this week. Um, you know, Livingston are going to be without Halkett, who's suspended. Again, another team, not a lot to play for. So, I think Hamilton will certainly fancy their chances. And they did beat Livingston at home early in the season. So, if they do that again, then they'll be looking at a sixth consecutive season in the top flight. Well, you'd imagine they will be. Yeah, that goal at the end of the Lanarks or Derby and Sarter, they could be crucial. Uh, what, six minutes to go? Motherwell look like they're going to get a win, and then Ogbo steps up and scores, so that could be a very crucial goal. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, Main point, point of view is Turnbull again. Yeah, it's, to impress. Yeah, he cleaned up the. I, I noticed David Tanner um, was he was hosting the Motherwell Player of the Year um, awards at the weekend, and David Turnbull cleaned up. Yeah, he got the Young Player of the Year and Player of the Year, and I think that's well deserved. He's got a big contender for the Young Player of the Year. Oh yeah, he will be. Um, I think between him, Lewis Ferguson, um, Tino might well be in there again. Um, but yeah, he he would certainly be one of the shortlist, I would imagine. And he's had a terrific season. Um, oh, there's rumours that Hasty is going to sign for Rangers this week. Um, I just hope that it's not to the detriment of him and that he is able to break into that Rangers team because um, otherwise it's a bit of a waste. Um, it's an area where they're short of players, I would say. Who, Rangers? That's what they are, short. Yeah, they're short in wide positions. Yeah, because they've only really got Candace and Kent and Kent's away back to Liverpool. There's little or no chance of them keeping them. So, but they have signed Jones, who really has tailed off um since that game where he, he scored immediately after signing for Rangers um, but then uh, excuse me he's not really been seen since in fact he's been not even in the match day squads a couple of times for Kilmarnock um, so yeah going back to Hasty uh, it could well he could well prove some of us wrong um, you just hope it's not an our talent going to waste I just think it might be too soon given he's only been the world team for six months but then People might have said that about Lewis Ferguson because he'd only been out in the team six months when we moved to Aberdeen. People thought he wouldn't get that many games and he's been a first-team regular, so 
You never know. Uh, but as and then Dundee continue to be awful. Yeah, yeah. The um, Jim McIntyre says that they win all four games. They've only won four games all season. Uh, no, I think it's cards for Dundee. They just do not look good at all defensively. They are hopeless. In attack, they are hopeless. It's a recipe for disaster. Um, yeah, McIntyre's record. I think it's three wins out of twenty-one that games. Goals either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, in attack, they're hopeless. Defensively, they're hopeless. It's a recipe for disaster. Um, I think you broke up a wee bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's happening a lot, unfortunately. But yeah, to me, they're doomed. I can't see them getting out of this. Six points with four games to play, and they've not looked good all season. Nah. Championship, though, Ross County have effectively clinched the league. Not uh, mathematically impossible, but in terms of the goal difference. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, they only need a point against uh, Queen of South on Friday night, and that's them um, secured automatic promotion. So um, it's it's all nearly it's pretty much done. And then they'll provide they get the point on Friday, they'll get the trophy in front of their own friends on Friday night games in BBC Scotland. Uh, but Queen of South obviously still have a lot to play for. Um, they got a crucial, crucial win uh, against the. Uh, against the fair one and it worked out it was a much needed one because obviously Allah lost to Partick Thistle Partick Thistle's brought themselves right back into contention Morton got that win at Falkirk which would have pleased them especially given the, the fact it was Ray McKinnon that it, they could well be sitting yeah. down yeah. Uh, so yeah my friend that supports Morton my friend that supports Morton was saying it was terrific the whole stadium uh, uh, was booing Ray McKinnon uh, which he was loving. And compared to Falkirk, the way they acted over the whole thing, they deserve everything they've, they've got going this season. If they go down, um, mm-hmm. the way they've always up near the championship, up at the top, you can, I think it's only a matter of time probably before they get back promoted. Um, so, yeah, I would have a little sympathy for them. Yeah, I mean, especially the way that they just cut the youth. Um production line, you know, they just cut the academy um, to bank and promotion and Paul Hartley overseeing a very bad recruitment period and never got any better than when Peter Houston um, had left them and he lost his job and then they got McKinnon and as you say, the way they approached them and it's just a little bit of arrogance. And they're away to Dundee United who are obviously on the back of a good win against Kelly Thistle. They've just got to hope that Dundee United who have secured second are in holiday mode because um, otherwise I can actually see Falkirk getting put down this weekend because Partick are away air tomorrow um, or Tuesdays this is recorded if Partick win that um, you know you're talking about uh, and they're the next team above them that's a five that's a five point gap to Partick and three points to both Arlo and Quidditch South it's going to be very difficult I just can't see Falkirk with, in fact they've got Ross County at home in the last day of the season so they've got the top two to play and they've just got to hope that the two sides are in holiday mode by the time uh, those games come around otherwise they are Donald Ducked Aye the, the big game the last season could be Queen South Park that's all Yeah yeah, that looks as though it could be the decider is just, um, who avoids the playoff. In terms of playoff spot, or I think so. 
Yeah, Kizalo are at home to Kelly Thistle. Um, and are, are Kelly Thistle winding down for the, the playoff? Because they've got air coming up in the playoff. That's been um, that's been confirmed. Did I, I know it's unlikely that the Femme are going to be get dragged into this, but mathematically, they could still be brought into the playoffs because they're only four points against um, ahead of Thistle, who have got that game in hand. If the Femme lose these last two games and Allo win at least one of the games and... Uh, Queen of South win one of the games and Morton um, get a point or two in one of the games. You know they could get dragged into it, but I can it, it would take a lot. I think unlikely. It's unlikely. It's very unlikely. Um, so I think they'll be. They also can't get promoted now, but um, I think they'll be Championship football, safe Championship football for next year. Um, and League One. When Tros have taken a, a step towards um, being in the playoffs, and that's incredible to think that two and a half years ago, um, no, or, or a bit longer, sorry, uh, 2015, they nearly went into uh, the Lowland League set or the Highland League set up uh, before they won the playoff against Cove, and then Stuart Peach, in the two and a half years since he's been in the job, has taken them from being near the bottom of that League Two to champions last year of League Two, and now in with a chance of um, joining our broth and getting into the championship. And that would be something for the North East of Scottish football. Aye, absolutely. Aye, fair play to them. Uh, the other end of the table, obviously, Dumbarton and Shunrod both secured their foreign league one. Yeah. Yeah, that's them. Uh, uh, that's especially, them. I think Dumbarton, they were we're looking at like a struggling big time at one point, and then Duffy came in and it's kind of changed things. And then uh, Farrell, Stevie Farrell, deserves a lot of credit. That's from Nord as Yeah, Farrell does deserve credit for keeping them up because Strenard's the sort of team where uh, the first day for them is to make sure they're in League One. So they've also done it. Stairs, we are. Get beat three or four for still level points over Breakin because Breakin lost that game to Strenard. Um, no, Breakin's form's a bit worrying. And then this weekend, Stennis Muir at home East Fife, Breakin's away to Wraith Rovers. So if Stennis Muir pick up something, you know, Stennis Muir playing an East Fife side who are not in good form, they've really tailed off, they've lost their um, place in the, the playoff. Um, Breakin could well be facing double relegation, as Chris mentioned last week. Aye. Aye, they could aye. Yeah. A, a few cases of that, maybe. Yeah. And then lead to Peterhead taking a uh, step closer to the, um, the title with a win over Elgin. Um, they don't hope it's still in Albion this weekend. It means if they win, then they get the trophy. Um, because uh, Clyde, obviously, if Peterhead win, can't mathematically catch them. Um, but Clyde... Um, are getting into playoffs in good form, you know, 5-0 over Berwick, which puts them well adrift at the bottom. Because Albion Rovers won, the great escape is very much on, and uh, five points ahead um, with two to play. But interesting enough, it's Berwick and Albion Rovers this weekend. If Albion Rovers avoid defeat, they have survived, and Berwick would need to play uh, both the winner of Cove Rangers and East Cobright, which I believe the first legs this weekend. Oh, it's crazy to think the season's almost over as well. Oh, yeah. 
obviously kind of starting, so we know what we can all think in the podcast. We hope it's either a COVID scope rider in the leagues next year and whoever finishes what we like to. No disrespect, but we hope you are playing your, your football elsewhere that season. Yeah. Well, Berwick's form will be um, worrying. Uh, it looks as though they're favourites. But we better give a shout to um, the Cove Rangers manager, um, John Sheeran. He, the club put a statement he suffered a heart attack over the weekend. It seems as though he's, he's okay. Uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. Not a nice thing to hear. Is there anything else you want to, to cover? John? No, I think that's fine. I think <laughs> it's been a bit of a, a struggle with the kind of technical side of things, so it's just to that. John, John, so you're breaking up again. Speak. Hopefully they end up back to normal next week. Yeah, it's been a... I'll just repeat the little bits I heard. Yeah, it's been a struggle with the technical issues. Apologies um, for that. So, between us, we'll try and sort it for next week. And, um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your Easter. <laughs>